Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 as we explore biblical prophecy. And we're looking at the teaching of St. Augustine in his classic work, The City of God, about biblical prophecy, and we are in the middle of the most important things you can learn about biblical prophecy for the remainder of your life, because we're going to be looking at how we understand Revelation 20. And before we got to Revelation 20, our previous episode, this episode is 273, our last one, 272, we looked at the city of God, book 20, chapter 6, and it's only two pages, but they're invaluable because in those two pages, St. Augustine uses John chapter 5, which isn't difficult to understand, so that we know what is called the first resurrection and the second resurrection, and the basic fact that there are two resurrections. And I encourage you, if you have a print copy of the City of God, you can get them fairly economical in a lot of places, and it's also free online. You don't need to download the whole thing, but I would encourage you to download Book 20 of St. Augustine's City of God, and maybe Book 21 too, and you can get those and then follow along. And after you listen to this episode, looking at chapter 6, again, that was for John chapter 5, the two resurrections. We saw that there are two resurrections, and we called that the key to biblical prophecy, because the lock that will basically either prevent you or enable you to understand the wider views of biblical prophecy, the lock is Revelation 20. And we don't want to go there without first going to chapter 6 of the City of God, book 20, so we could get John 5. And then after that, we come to the lock, the key on the lock, and the lock is book 20, chapter 7. And again, it's only two pages, still talking about the two resurrections, but now going into Revelation 20, a more difficult passage, but it also talks about the same two resurrections that John 5 did. Now, there are three main schools of prophecy, and I'm only going to talk about two of them today because the third one uh, we'll talk about in a couple episodes, and it's not quite as well-known or popular today. But there are, are three main views all revolve around how they understand the 1,000 years mentioned multiple times in Revelation chapter 20. So the three main views are called millennial views, millennial referring to, again, the thousand years. The pre-millennial view is that Jesus returns before a literal golden age of exactly 1,000 years, okay? Again, Jesus returns before a literal golden age of 1,000 years. And just so you know, the rapture at any moment, folks, are one of the three different types of premillennialists. And a lot of people debate the rapture, you know, as before, after tribulation, such, and 
kind of ignore the millennial question. But if the pre-millennial viewpoint is wrong, then everything that it's a subtype of it is also wrong. And yet, <laughs> the millennial views are very often not considered. It's just like, when will the rapture occur? Believing that there's only one of three options under the premillennial viewpoint. Okay? Now, the other viewpoint we're going to be talking about is the amillennial view, in that Jesus returns to earth after the long age of the reign of King Jesus through the church. Okay? Premillennial, Jesus returns before a literal 1,000-year golden age. Amillennial, he returns after the church age, okay, and at the second coming. Now, it's pretty important to realize that some Protestants hold to the premill view and some hold to the amill view. Catholics believe in the amill position, even though that some Catholics today— don't admit this because some of the things they're teaching, it doesn't connect with St. Augustine, doesn't connect with the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I'm just saying. Okay. But here's one of the reasons a lot of Protestants who are interested in biblical prophecy, who strongly adhere to the pre-mill view of the rapture, don't even consider the on-mill view and it's because they think you're just blowing off the inspiration and inerrancy of Scripture. For instance, it's very common to hear Catholic apologists say, we don't believe in a rapture. That's like saying to a Catholic, um, there's no such thing as a real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, or, um, you know, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary or something. You just click, turn that person off. Instead, You could say, we have a different view of the rapture. It's the resurrection of the body at the second coming of Jesus. And if you frame it that way, it doesn't sound like you're trashing Scripture. I'm talking about how it rings in Protestants' ears. Now, Catholics can say this on the radio or in conferences, and they'll get great applauses from Catholic audiences, and then the Catholics go home and can't figure out why their Protestant family members and friends don't listen to them. That's a big reason why. Here's another one. Catholics often say there's no millennium, there's no literal millennium or something like that, or there's no 1,000 years. And you could say, lower your voice a little bit. We believe that the millennium is a present reality rather than a future one. Oh, what do you mean by that? And then you can go into the kingship of Christ. So here's where we begin. Revelation 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and shut it, and sealed it over him, that, and this is a purpose clause, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be loosed for a little while. And then 
Revelation 20 goes on to talk about the martyrs and such who had not received the mark. It said they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Again, we hear the thousand years. And verse 5, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who shares in the first resurrection over the second death has no power. Okay, what are we talking about here? Is that Satan will be bound for the purpose that he can no longer deceive the nations. Does that mean that Satan can't do anything, that demons uh, present no threat to human beings whatsoever and are not active at all in our world? No, it's very specific. The, the Gentile nations of the world were under a cloud of darkness the entire time uh, leading up to the first coming of Christ. And after that, with Jesus's death and, and his resurrection and ascension into heaven, something broke. And St. Augustine uses Mark chapter 3 and verse 27 it's the first place he goes to use Scripture in a clear place to interpret the difficult place, Revelation 20. He's already used John 5, and he devoted a separate chapter to that because it's so important. Here he uses Mark 3:27, which says, No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and that word binds a strong man is the exact same Greek v verb as he sees the devil and Satan and bound him. Um, it's the exact same word. It binds a strong man that he indeed may plunder his house. And that statement of Jesus, besides Mark 3.27, is also found in Matthew 12.20 and Luke 11, verses 21 and 22. Augustine says, meaning by the strong man, the devil, because he had power to take captive the human race. Now, if Satan had not been bound at the first coming of Jesus, and remember, the pre-mill people see all this happening at some time in the distant future, versus this has happened 2,000 years ago. See what happens to your whole understanding of Scripture based on your millennial viewpoint? And the Great Commission for Jesus to go into all the nations of the world, not just Israel, all the nations of the world, would have been a futile activity unless first the strong man is bound, who was holding the nations captive in darkness, right? So they couldn't deceive them. And then the Great Commission can take place. And there comes a time at the end of this long period where then Satan is allowed again to deceive the nations. And we're going to be talking about that in future episodes. The thousand years, the prophet says, well, you're not taking the Bible literally, and I can show you a lot of passages in Revelation where the most rabid, rapture at any moment folks don't take the Bible literally. You have to look at the text and determine, is this to be taken literally for a thousand years, and there's people who have done this in the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church, or according to St. Augustine, quote, he used the thousand years as an equivalent 
for the whole duration of this world, employing the number of perfection to mark the fullness of time. In other words, for a long time. And he says, for a thousand is the cube of ten. And by the chain and prison, this is St. Augustine again, the devil is prohibited and restrained from seducing those nations which belong to Christ, by which he formerly seduced or held in subjection. See, this is the great opening. And the great opening is not in the future. The great opening was 2,000 years ago. And this is why, I mean, your, your whole view of what's going on in the Bible, according to your millennial views, can be separated like by um, 2,000 years or more. And it's very important to see this connection and use things like John 5, Mark 3, Matthew 12, and Luke 11 to interpret what Revelation 20 is about. And that's what St. Augustine is doing in two pages of the City of God, Book 20, Chapter 7. And this is real critical stuff because the catechism in section 676 says the Antichrist deception begins when every time the world begins to look for the messianic hope in history. And so we want to be cautious there. We want to be very cautious that we follow the text, not according to some literal reading that doesn't jive with other scriptures or history or reality. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 273 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy, visit us online at luke21.com.